Their goal is to bring you a podcast that sounds more like everyone else than anyone else. We need to accept the fact that we are like every other podcast. We want to be special, but we're not quite there yet. It's the Zenial Odyssey Podcast with Remy and Bobby Rocks. on the stuff beats mine because my brain is going well i'm a savant uh, you are a savant yeah. and you are an idiot and you are a savant. Yeah. <laughs> some days i'm an, more of an idiot than a savant <laughs> yeah he balances yeah but um the the record that came out in about 91 i feel you oh that's good because guess what that's my favorite and that is called songs for of faith and devotion. Of faith and devotion. Yes. 19, oh, wow. 1993. Did, and that is an awesome song, by the way. Yeah. I, I didn't good. think, wow, I thought Bobby was going to go way earlier in yeah. their career. That's well, why me and Bobby had a radio show together. Actually, I feel most people would say Violator. Yeah. Which was right before that. I mean, for anybody, you know, everyone knows a Depeche Mode song. Personal Jesus, Enjoy mm-hmm. the Silence. That is Violator. The album that Rem and I are talking about is... It was a sexually Walking in charged my shoes. album. It really was. Yep. Like, in Your Room, such an awesome song. Dude, yeah. they just hit different with that. And it was like, the best way I can explain it, it was like they matured and yeah. they came back. But it's it's the album that almost broke the band. That's usually yeah. the case. Yeah. Uh, so some people may, oh, what are we making a fucking Depeche Mode show today? We no, we're not. Actually, what we're doing is, I did that. That's one of, That's how I like to do segues there. Let's go back to their album title, Songs of Faith and Devotion. Because this episode is about faith and devotion. Nice. Or the lack thereof, or how it's changed. It's about people our age and our views on spirituality, religion, mortality, morality, what have you. Just basically the art of existence. Yes. Yes. So because I honestly feel that through our parents, the boomers and Gen X, and up to us, there is a, there was definitely a shift. I mean, it was starting, but it, it really just has picked up momentum. With yeah, if we're going to start with organized religion, no doubt. Me and Bobby were mm-hmm. raised with God, God, God. Listen, he's watching, go to church on Sundays, like, it, it, and it was a almost a family ideal. It was, if you were the family that didn't do it back then, you were weird. Listen, Rem, my God is an awesome God and he reigns, okay? <laughs> Classic Christian yes, rock. I know. I know. Do you believe that we, there was a time when it was like, it wasn't so much blatant until Creed. Creed made it. Creed made it blatant. Dreaming. But like Collective Soul, they all, they. Oh, 100%. Yeah, but, they, but they didn't like. It wasn't like out it, there. It in your wasn't. Face. Yeah, you would have to hear a record to really understand. Once the theme of the record was done, that you know, it, it, you know, just like I'm sorry, but I said this to a friend once, and they were like, "Okay, yeah, that's that's good." I would argue that a lot of Nine Inch Nails records are spiritual records for how much he either curses at or brings up God. Yeah. So I was like, oh, I'm like, how can a guy who constantly has songs about God not existing talk about God in every third song? Or I would say Danzig to the point of he really views himself as just the person who presented the opposite to yeah. the world. You know, it's like, hey, if there's a light, there's got to be a dark. I think everyone should realize that. Yeah. So, so let's take it to a real basic place. What was your religion as a child? What's your religion now? All right. So What's changed for you? So I was raised and everybody in my family, for as far back as I can remember, as Roman Catholic. Right. Roman Catholic's a huge Christian, Christianity sect in the Northeastern United States. I know in other areas, there's different Christianity. There's Baptist, there's 
Protestant, there's Jehovah Witnesses, that's all Christianity and of, of different forms. Episcopalian of which I was. Yep. 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 So uh, to answer your question, yeah, I was, uh, I got my first communion. I've been baptized. First communion, I was confirmed. And at that point, it was kind of like a, it's my choice. But yeah, and I'm going to make it because they want me to make yeah, it. Well, I chose to just really not kind of because it wasn't my thing. So I know I've brought it up here before, but I would personally say I'm agnostic. And mm -hmm. what I mean by that is I don't necessarily believe in one thing or the other. I believe that it could exist or it might not exist. And I follow the stars because you know what? We're all full of stardust and that's true. And that's not just like kumbaya shit. It's yeah, true. We're made of all the same it's true. shit. Our elements are, our, yeah, element is, that's that. It, it means it is, it is core. It is primary. It is the singular thing. And at some point in the universe, the Big Bang and all that, it was all, everything was singular. And then there were explosions, called what is it, explosions. And then elements were blown out into other elements and they had chemical reaction. They continue that. And we got the fancy. Bobby explains life. And I think, but I think that's because when it comes to religion, people feel like that is the thing. And it, if it is, that's fine. I'm, Did I'm, you do church on Sundays? Yes. Okay. So, till when? We usually went to the first mass of the Sunday. So... I mean, no, I don't mean what time. I mean, un when did you stop going to church regularly? I would say around when I was like in my teens, around the time I was confirmed. I was confirmed when I was about 16, 17. How did your family react? I feel like by that point, because uh, my brother had uh, done it first. Always nice to have a beta run. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, he, he was the test run. Uh, so for me, it wasn't as as bad. And to my to my family's credit, they, I, I call them progressive yeah. Christians. Oh. I mean- there's a lot of things where they see the radical Christians and they just go, what is wrong with that? Yeah, that's not us. Yeah. Yeah. For me, it was um, Episcopalian and it was the same thing. Like we lived when my parents were still together when I was younger and I have a brother and sister. We lived within a mile from the church. So the Sunday ritual was getting dressed up and walking to church. And that was in a time mm -hmm. when you'd know your neighbor's name and you'd be with them at church and you guys would have breakfast together. It really was the end of idyllic suburbia, which never was. Watch wow, you were literally breaking bread with your neighbor. Yeah. Mm. Um, and I got really lucky that, cause in that time there would be a lot of like, well, we'll take your kids for the day you take our kids. And I got to let's just put it this way. I got out of that pretty lucky. Even, yeah. yeah. Was, I was, we're talking about Massachusetts churches, guys. Massachusetts churches in the eighties and nineties were the epicenter of molestation. So I always think back to the priest that was in my initial when I was a kid and he mm -hmm. never was. I, I can just be honest about that, you know, but for me, yeah, I hated it. One of my priests was. Oh, that's got to be but, but I want to be fair. So he got, uh, I'll use the words entangled. He got entangled with a girl. She was still underage, but she was like, bro, she was like 13 or 14. But this is where the story gets messed up. Don't use entangled. He molested her. <laughs> Don't get, he did. Oh, wait. This is where it gets messed up. I'm sorry. So he, he actually paid to send her to Boston College, uh, high school. He paid to send her to a private school. That was an arrangement with her parents. Uh, and do you know why it came out? It eventually came out and made the newspaper. She told someone? No, because her parents were trying to extort him for more money. <sighs> Fucking the family's just as gross. Yeah. So they were they were complicit in it. And that goes back to something else we've talked about. Yeah, when, yeah. Is when family, family and I, so I feel for, I feel for the, the daughter in that situation. I mean, essentially she got prostituted. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty I mean, common. Can yeah, and he, guess what? Nothing happened to him. He didn't. He didn't leave. He you stayed. Have, he stayed there until he died. Dude, fucking Jelaine Maxwell just got twenty years. Let's not talk about it. Pedoph pedophilia in this country is fucking celebrated. Yeah. Don't get me started. So let me go back to my church story. Okay. So I was really lucky back then, but I hated it. I hated the songs on Sunday. I hated how buttoned up it felt. I just it, it made me uncomfortable. You know, everyone was screaming about God, but no one actually sits down with a kid and kind of explains it in a way that makes sense. Oh, you guys didn't have something like CCD. 
No, we did, but that was the one thing where I was like, I'm not doing more school than I have to fucking do. And I told my parents no, that. I didn't have a choice with that. And so once my parents got divorced and shit and church became their last priority, because they were just too focused on destroying each other. For me, it was like, oh my God, here's my opportunity. I had to go to a retreat in the basement of the church where they played What If God Was One of Us for two hours. Bro, I used to- I'm not even kidding. Two hours. I, I did youth group too, and it was fucking- traumatizing girls trying to suck my dick in the seventh grade youth group was a fucking lawless organization but when my parents divorced and blah blah i was like oh i can educate myself now about this shit so i started studying taoism buddhism obviously a a sort of reevaluation of christianity catholicism and i think my first thought was like yeah i got long hair i'm gonna be a fucking satanist um you know what i mean but i never did that well, well, before we get too far down the road, how about we take a break? We just and we play some like we'll play some religious music or something. I don't, I don't know. But but we'll play a song and then we'll come back. We'll get our we'll get our thoughts organized and together, and we'll just we'll just go like because you brought you brought up some things that I definitely want to share thoughts on related to kind of seeking out and experiencing other religions or philosophies and ways of life. So yeah, welcome aboard with us, everybody. We're gonna like listen to that song and uh, then we'll come back to the exo. Bow down to Satan, child. You only have one free will. And that is to listen to the exo.
So, Rem, before we, I know we said before we would listen to the song, we were going to, we're going to kind of organize things a little bit better. I want to, because <laughs> I love my research, I want to give you some numbers, all right? Please do. All right. So, 30% of people our age consider themselves religious. Very blanket term. Exactly. But that means that they follow a they, certain dogma. Yeah. Oh, yes. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I messed up. I messed up the, the order of it the- It happens. Okay. So 30% consider themselves atheists. Oh, that's a big difference. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah Jesus. Yeah, yeah. And 29% have no religious affiliation. So that means 41% of people our age do. Yeah. Or they follow a religion. Mm-hmm. That means the majority of us are either atheists or we don't follow a religion. I was sure by now that we would have seen the death of organized religion yeah. as well, we knew it. Well, you know what? It's just got a grip on Oh, yeah. It'll never happen. That. So- you brought up how you you read into religions and you you focused on other ones, right? You saw yeah. the Buddhism, Hinduism. So I actually did that in college. I found it very fascinating. I found lear- I got to learn. I, there was a class I took. Uh, I was a psych major. It was called Non-Western Theories of Personality, and we just focused on Hinduism, Buddhism, Taoism, Confucianism, the isms. Yeah, and they're all yeah. like yeah, but they're all from Asia. I was actually my mind was blown. I didn't what I thought I knew. I knew very little. So I didn't know that what I thought was Buddhism was actually more Hinduism. And then, and then Buddhism came from Hinduism. Oh, yeah. Everybody fucks those three. Yeah, yeah, Everybody yeah. Everybody does. Yeah. And then Taoism. I would say of all of the ones I learned, like, because in Asia, they're not looked at, like, we look at it as this, this is religion. This is a part of me. Whereas in Asia, it's, no, it's all-encompassing. Yeah. It is everything. So it's beyond religion. It is way of life. So like Taoism, I love Taoism. Taoism, I actually got to read the book. Have you ever heard of the book, The Tao of Pooh? Oh, of course. Yeah, yeah. Fantastic book. Give, give the people a quick layman's term. Okay. So Taoism is essentially giving in to nat- the, nat- like the nature of earth, the nature of the astral plane, the nature of space, the, na- like the nature of everything. It's about simplicity. But it, it's about simplicity, but it's very but difficult. It's sweeping. And it's difficult to understand. And what do we get? What did we get from Taoism that people don't even realize? Yin yang. Yeah. Yeah. The yeah, balance the, between. The, the 69 or how, you know, it's that, it, yeah, it's the balance of nature. It's the balance of ourselves with nature. It's the, it's the balance. So in there, in Taoism, a person who would be considered a priest or a sage is the bodhisattva. Yeah. And that basically means wise sage. And this is where it ties into the Tao of Pu, which was a book specifically made for people in Western civilization to kind of make it bridge. Easy. Yeah. Make it easier to understand. So of all the characters... In the forest, which one do you think would be the bodhisattva, the wise sage? It would have to be the owl. And you would be wrong. It it's would have actually, to be the rabbit. It's actually Winnie the Pooh. Oh, that was too low hang. I, 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 I should have, man. I just should have. But, but the great thing about the Tao of Pooh is that it also breaks down the mind. Every character is like a different mindset. So Mr. Rabbit is the Western mindset. Yeah. Because he's the insufferable know-it-all. <laughs> like and it's but it's true like there yeah. was a huge movement of the DAOs back then the yeah. DAO motorcycle repair is another huge one that's all about motorcycle repair but it's not it uses yeah. that as a point to jump off of to explain spirituality yeah yeah and I love that because when I say I'm agnostic I also learned enough about other religions and ways of life uh, because I find just that it relates to culture and I find that fascinating because it, it leads you into, well, why do people do the things they do or how do, how do people that are different than me group think? 
And that's a great way that you find that out. So I'm not one of those people that just says, oh, fuck you or you're really all that. It's like, no, it's like, you're cool. To, if you're cool. I, I said before, like if somebody found Jesus, quote unquote, found Jesus and it made them a better person, kudos to you. That wasn't my path, but I'm not going to minimize your path to yeah. get to becoming a better person. And I think that's when life is wonderful, by the way, when it, if we could have a joke, a Buddhist and a Catholic and a, yeah, everybody yeah, went a, to a bar, everybody in a field smoking yeah. DMT. Exactly. So I know you wanted to, you wanted to cover spirituality, right? Well, yeah. I yeah. mean, I, cause I think that, you know, we're talking about spirituality in a religious aspect. And I think that our generation was maybe the first that broke away from all the sort of super organized organized religions that were forced on us in America and in the Northeast, obviously. And I think we were the first, because like I said, in, in reading those books and stuff, that was me choosing to educate myself to see if there were other avenues that I didn't have revealed to me. And it was ve all I realized the more I read about other religions was all I know is I know nothing. That became yeah. my sort of mantra for it because no matter what I read and what I saw now, everything goes off basic. We can go back to Sumerians and we can talk about how like all gods follow the same basic path of the being, mm -hmm. you know, being reborn after X amount of days and dealing with the brunt of the trauma. And how ba Babylon was a real place and how it, it, it relates into Sumerian and Christianity. It, it, there are stories about it in both. There are. Yeah. But, um, you know what's, if I may. Yeah, yeah. I, 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 I'm, <laughs> One of my favorite things, because especially post 9-11... There was so many people in our country that were anti-Semitic against people who followed Islam Damn. and Muslims. And one of my favorite things is because it's like, oh, it's just so different than than us. Have you ever read anything related to the Quran? Yeah. Which which yeah. is for people out there, it is the equivalent of the of the Bible yeah. in, in Islam. I um I did, you know, there was a time when stupid ass cunty old whore Madonna was talking a lot about it. I rolled and, my eyes in case anyone didn't. Yeah, but still, it made yeah. me be like, "Oh, what's this?" And I researched it, and it's it's a powerful fucking book. Yeah, and and but when I bring it up, because everyone on you know on because Christians are just we would nothing to do with uh, Muslims and all that. Does anyone know? Obviously, God in the Quran is Allah, and Muhammad is the prophet. Like, yeah, I'm, I'm just because I'm kind of saying I'm trying to, but basically what I'm trying to get to is one of the. It's not an apples to apples comparison, yeah. But many of the main characters in the Bible are in the Quran. Oh, of course. So he's not Jesus Christ. He's Jesus of Nazareth. He's yeah. a carpenter. Adam is in the Quran. Moses, I'm pretty sure. Like all these people are in there, but it's like their their roles are different. And I always bring that because it's fascinating. Because if you think about it, really, Rem. They both books came from relatively the same area of the world, the Fertile yeah, Crescent, the Fertile Crescent, Mesopotamia, the Tig you know, the area where the Tig basically modern day Iraq and Iran is kind of that area, which yeah, is called the, the Fertile the Crescent. The Cradle of Life. Yeah, the Cradle, the Cradle of Life, uh, where the Tigris and the Euphrates meet, the two biggest rivers in the Middle East, not counting, supremes. not counting uh, the Nile River. So I guess maybe the one of the three. But my point is, yeah, that. If you look deep enough into all these religions, just from a, an academic standpoint, a reading standpoint, you start to see overlaps in major themes. Not, not, not across the way. I just used like Islam and Christianity because of the the characters themselves. Yeah, is a lot of overlap. But and that's fascinating to me. So I, as I grew through college and I became an academic, I was able to look at like Christian. I was able to look at readings like the Bible or the Quran or 
or any of the philosophies from Eastern religions. And I was able to do it in a way where I wasn't just stuck to my emotions about my disdain. Yeah, that's key. Yeah. So I was able to look at it. I was able to separate myself from that and see that because even though I don't follow any of those, I still have appreciation for them and their influence on the world. It's just not for me. And and what I see from these numbers here is that, especially in our country, is that there's a growing number of people who are turning away from structure of organized religion. Yeah, I think people have realized it's pretty suffocating. And I think for the first time in history, you have a bunch of people who are also realizing the power of psychedelics and how certain chemicals can help, help people achieve spiritual situations yep. or at least have a better understanding of it. Now, you brought up spirituality. So what do you mean when you say spirituality? I mean, uh, an attunement with the universe and an understanding that there is a cosmic flow to the universe and that it's outside of, you know, your choice is outside of outside of your control, but there is something more that has provided or given or, you know, it's an awareness of another realm, but it's an awareness of a universe that existed before you and a universe that will continue to exist without you That's trying great. to understand your place in it. That's fantastic, Rem. And I do agree with a lot of what you said, but for me... It literally comes to, like, if you want to call it science and space, if the meaning of my existence on planet Earth in our solar system in the Milky Way galaxy is that I became, I was brought together from elements of just the beginning of time and space, and all I am in my existence as a human being is just the universe consciously experiencing itself, I think yeah. that's a profound thing. Yeah. I don't, I don't, that's, there's nothing to minimize there. That's a, that's a beautiful thing. That's a profound thing. That's a wonderful thing. Why would it even need to be more? Exactly. Exactly. And to and also to know that even when I die, it's just really a trans... Consciously, I think that's where a lot of people who are religious talk about. They talk about the consciousness, the, the quote unquote, the soul. And they talk about that. Who knows? That's up for the air. But you know what? As far as my physical matter, it's just changing. Yeah. It's 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 living on, but it's living on in a different way. So in that in that sense, you know, maybe the people who believe in reincarnation, maybe they're speaking in hyperbole, but they're not wrong. They're, maybe they're not. they're not. Yeah. The reality is that when I talk about spirituality with people and it tends to go after life, I, I tend to just tell everyone to shut the fuck up. Because none of us know. Because it, it, it's literally stupid, blind-eyed speculation. Yep. Like, you know, I can't tell you guys that I've had experiences with DMT and ayahuasca and, you know, certain variations of mushrooms where I've gone to different places that I've been able to revisit. So there has to be a certain level of them existing because if it, if it was – put it this way. A million people can't take DMT and all go to the same place, right? If it's not real. Yeah, yeah, you're right. You know? And I, so for, well, for, so for me, I've, I've seen it and tasted it. And I've also had a couple dark ones and seen some places you people wouldn't want to go. So I think for me, in exploring spirituality and having those experiences, I've realized there is more. But I think anybody, I fucking hate just like people are so diehard in how they feel about where we go. And it's so fucking blindly ignorant. It really is. There has not been a modicum of proof. There have been the hallways of lights, but I've had that on drugs. How can you say it's not an experience that that person was having when their body was getting yep. flooded with their own dimethyltryptamine? Yep. And the white, the white light is literally your body shutting down. Yeah, and it's, it's, all, yeah. it's all there. So It's a part of the natural process of death. Yeah. But, but there are people who just seem so adamant in knowing heaven, hell, this, that. We don't know. Here it is, people. There's two fucking ways it can go, all right? Grab a fucking pen. You're either going to blip and not exist in any form at all, or you're going to blip and conscientiously potentially still be a soul somewhere else. That's all it can be. There's no others. And for anyone to pretend that they know is bothersome to me. 
I'm paraphrasing Lewis Black here. He is one of my favorite comedians. He goes on a lot of rants. He goes on rants about a lot of stuff. He went on a rant on his, in one of his live performances. And during his rant, he talked about how at one time in civilization, uh, religion played a huge role about morality mm. and about law and order. And we've kind of moved beyond, and we've moved beyond that. That it doesn't have to be the compass. Because you see it play out all the time. You see people play, well, it's the, it is the morality of life and therefore it has to be involved with laws. No, because laws and morality are not mutually exclusive. But before we, we moved on, I did want to touch upon that too, that there is the, that is that thinking that is out there. Yeah. There's the thinking that's out there that are we, are we beyond needing that? Because one thing I, I remember having a conversation with my mom, my mom went to Catholic school. She graduated like from young age all the way up through high school she went to catholic school with nuns and she my mom too yeah and she became a teenager around the time that rome where the pope lives and there was a focus up until the early 1960s on the old testament yeah and how god is a god to be feared and he's and all this and he'll you know hellfire and brimstone you know rained down upon you and they became a, they realized they were losing people. Christianity was losing people, so they made a collective decision to start focusing on the New Testament, which is more about Jesus. It's less hate filled. Yeah, exactly. Jesus loved all of you so much that he died for your sins, and <laughs> yeah, and all that stuff. And he's a loving God. My first toxic relationship was with Jesus. All right, but anyway, I wanted to talk about another area related to spirituality. I feel, and also mortality. It's related to faith and all these. I feel like during the 90s and our young adulthood and even today, Rem, there's more of a... I feel like the, the taboo about death is a lot less than it than it was when we were children. Oh, man. We're all rushing toward it now, Willing, you know, It's very different. But I mean, honestly, like... And I want to tie this into like the news media and how they're, they're terrible people. Dr. Jack Kevorkian. What a saint. Dr. Death. How was he portrayed... In the media. Like America. You just he was, said how he was portrayed. He was portrayed as a monster and he was portrayed by all these things. And then when when television, like late night cable started to play, the, because he video recorded when he met with people. And for people who don't know how deep Dr. Jack Kevorkian was, people would reach out to them to him. They would either have like Alzheimer's, terminal cancer, Lou Gehrig's disease. And then he would go and meet with them and he would interview them. And he would make sure that this wasn't someone that was just wanted to die for the sake of dying. That they, this was someone who just literally understood it's final. But at the same time, they wanted to die with dignity. And he provided that for people. And we look back on it and now look, we have states in our country that have like dying with dignity laws. Yeah. Right to die like right to, and there's right to die advocates. I'm a right to die advocate. Yeah. If I know that like I have dementia, I want to go out before it, it removes who I am as a, as a person. I want to know who I am. I want to be able to make those decisions and having a conversation about it was just like taboo, even, even in the nineties up until Dr. Kevorkian. And, and it led to things. So I think of, cause I watched a documentary on a, on a woman and her family filmed her. She had terminal cancer. Yeah. And they literally, like, instead of a, like a birthday, it was a death day. And like the whole family came together. Yeah, those are pretty com not common, but it's a thing. It was. It actually, because to me, what it did, it it made it made uh, it made death beautiful. Yeah. It showed that death could, didn't have to be a a heartbreakingly sad moment. It's still going to be a sad moment because if you think about it, for everyone else, if that's their mother or their aunt or that's someone they care about, and they're not going to have them physically in their life anymore. But to know that your last image of them is hugging them and saying goodbye and celebrating life with them instead of just them, like it's it to me it's it's more 
it's more compassionate. And I know we talked about it a little bit in another episode, but nothing captures it really to me like Six Feet Under. The show Six Feet Under was a beautiful show. It was a beautiful show that said like, yeah, death is around us all the time. And death makes rocks us to our core and it makes us think about our existence. And you know what? It's not necessarily a, a terrifying and a sad thing. There are times when it is, but it's not always that way. Yeah. Atlanta had an episode this season with an assisted suicide. It was cool. Oh, yeah. I, it, it's a tough thing for me to talk about because, I mean, I would have euthanized my fucking dad if I could. This country sucks. It doesn't want to help people who are dying. It doesn't give a fuck. It would rather kill your cats and dogs and let your fucking parents die in their own filth. So it's a tough discussion for yeah. me, to be honest with you. Mm-hmm. It's kind of heavy. Yeah. Well, I mean, my, I, I know I, I don't think I've gone in depth about it, but I know that's basically what my father did. Yeah. You know, because he had his wherewithals. And what he did is he just basically refused treatment and he mm-hmm. signed he signed all the paperwork and that was it. That was that it. Is it. But there's people like Remy, you're saying, there's people who can't do that. Yeah. And it was the people like that before they got whatever was bothering them or ailing them progressed to a point. It was people who could still make that decision for themselves. Yeah. And that that's ultimately like what you're saying, what I'm saying. It's what it's what we're talking about here. It's something that I feel our generation really has stepped up in the forefront of. I think, you know, my takeaway. Honestly, America and death is it's it's fucking stupid. Mm-hmm. Every mm-hmm. other country and and culture has a pretty good understanding that death is the last great high man. It's the last great wave you will surf. It's the last great nut you will bust. It's the last great cigarette or whiskey that you'll drink. Mm-hmm. And so the reason Americans, in my opinion, and I get it too, I lose people and it's brutal, but we're very very selfish people. Yes, and a lot. Some of us would literally rather have somebody suffering in a bed in the room with them. Nope, not me. But I understand what you're saying. Then let them pass on for them to achieve peace. So there's a selfishness about death. There's a a weirdness in how America's America's wake pageantry is fucking weird. It's outdated. It's old. Nobody wants to see their dead family or friends. Why the fuck any of you still do it is shocking to me and appalling. And I've already told people, man, one of the things I'm I'm going to do if I'm ever financially comfortable is, and I've been saying this for five years, I had this on my website, I will buy a soft serve machine for my wake. I will have a DJ, not a fucking priest who knew nothing about me. I'll have friends, if they want, give little one minute speeches. Oh, you best believe it's going to be a party. You best believe it's going to be a celebration of a life lived gloriously and i think that a lot of people in the country they need to read the tibetan book of the dead they need to understand the way america views death i'm convinced is like a result of horror movies in the 70s if someone who's just exhausted and done their time kicks it then they kick it it sucks when it's suicide it sucks when it's drugs and unnatural Mm -hmm. but I think we view death wrong. And I was, I lost a couple of friends really young. We've talked about it and you have too as well. Mm -hmm. That helps you too. I hate to say it. When you lose someone who's 22, when you lose someone who's 50, after you've lost someone who's 22, you get the 50. Yeah. You get it. Yep. You think back to the 22 who didn't live yet and you're like, wow, that was a robbery. Yeah. That's my takeaway. Like I I feel sad and sorrow for people who die, who I knew who died young because, you know, especially as a... 40 years of life now, like 20 years later, they didn't get those 20 years of experiences or chances to experience things. Yeah, food, laughter, love. I think of, I think of things like the first time I went to the Grand Canyon and what that experience like. There are no, there were no words. It was something where I literally just felt like overcome with like wonderfulness. 
And, and there's people I Bob, know. Bob, you know what don't you felt that day? What's that? Spirituality. Yeah, there we go. Yeah, because I, I experienced something majestic. Yeah, you saw its yeah. scale compared to you. You mm-hmm. knew it was one of the most beautiful things. In the, that's when people ask yep. you what's. Because I had a friend ask me once, once what's a spiritual experience? And it's a very tough thing to explain. Yeah, and it's, it's very, a, it's very subjective. It's very, very person. It's whatever yeah. it is to you. I have them at concerts. You might not. I used to have my concerts. Yeah, you know? but like, but that's the thing is, you know, I I think that what we've talked about so far in these subjects today is everybody is sort of indoctrinated into old beliefs yes. about it, the fear of death. The archaic wake with the body displayed all gray and fucking weird. Like, we're just sad that the person we loved isn't there to do more fun stuff with us, you know? And if they're a kid and they're young, it sucks. But like, yeah. if like I think there need to really, especially like when I was coming up, the sadness of like grandpa and grandma wakes. No, my fucking grandparents were all three, never met my fourth, were in their 90s when they passed. We weren't fucking bummed. Mm-hmm. We were like, good for them. They were like a week away from shitting themselves every day. Well, it's funny you bring that up too, because my, uh, one of my grandmothers, uh, my mother's mother lived to be 98 years old and she was just ready at the end. So she actually, she was a very religious woman, but she was for being 98 years old, she was very progressive. Mm. So she brought in, she asked if they could bring in the priest and she had a conversation with the priest that essentially was like, I'm not saying I'm suicidal. I'm just saying that if, if death comes for me and I'm ready for it, is that a sin? And the, and the priest was like, no, yeah, no get, some, get some sleep. No, that's not, that's not at all. And, she, right. and then the priest offered to give her her last, last rites, rites while she was still like, she wasn't, she probably lived for another while couple she weeks. would still remember. Them. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. So they did that. And, and, that, and to me, that's like, that's a, that's a lovely story because yeah, when you, when I talked to like my, my relatives and everything, she literally was like, ah, you, you kids are old enough. You're, you guys can take care of yourselves. I want to go, I want to go be with my family. Yeah, like, I get it. Yeah. And that, that's like, a, okay. All right. Half the old people I see driving apparently want to go be with their family because they fucking try to kill me. Hey. Hey, what up? See, look at that. No, no. I know. I just, you snack. guys didn't see it, but I gave yeah. off the thumbs up. I was happy. so excited. He was happy he didn't have to pay an extra 50 cents for that. Right. I'm already like 350 in debt and there's right. $3.50. cents. But anyway. I think that everything we talked about, people are indoctrinated on. Educate yourself about death and yeah. religion. Like, um, because, listen, you're at 99%. Let me explain. 33% of you is physical. 33% of you is mere. It, Bob, do you want to talk? Mental and then yeah. spiritual. Yes. Yeah. And I think that yeah. that makes up your 100%. And I think that even Bob's way, like he says, he knew he was spir- like he was feeling shit at the Grand Canyon. Spiritual doesn't mean praying. It doesn't mean church if it's not for you. Nope. It just means... And, a way, and an, I think another thing about spirituality for me is an awareness that you're lucky. Mm-hmm. Like when I'm at the water, oh, this is yep. fucking gorgeous. When I'm walking, it sounds hippie-ish, but that I think is the key. Yeah. And I'd say kind of, kind of for me, put a bow on all this is I also had my, my father who I've talked about him. He had an absolute love for uh, the Moody Blues, his mm-hmm. favorite band, arguably his favorite record by them, In Search of the Lost Chord. It's a great record. It is a great record. And Really, what that means for people who don't know is like it's talking about like that lost that, chord from that wavelength, that wavelength of life. Yeah, and uh, om, om, you know, and then like you know, and you know, they're searching for the lost chord, and the chord is om. Like that's the last song. You know how I always took it. How it reminded me of the line in Hallelujah. That's beautiful. And it's a beautiful song. Talking about, talk about a song that makes me feel spiritual. But the secret chord. Yep. So I always yeah. took looking yeah. for the chord as looking because it's the same thing. It's spirituality. It's well, looking for the. I think. I feel that for the Moody Blues, it was more universal. It wasn't, yeah. it wasn't so much like 
dedicated to one. It was just like a, this universal core, like this universal like rhythm of life. Like you said, the ohm. Yeah. Yeah. And the 44 megahertz we all vibrate on. And arguably my father's favorite song on that album was Legend of the Mind. Most people would call it the Timothy Leary song. Oh, nice. Yeah. It is not Timothy Leary. It is Legend of the Mind is the, but yeah, it's the Timothy Leary's dead. No, no, he's outside looking yeah, in. Yeah, it's the trip song. Yeah. And yeah. it's, and it's a, yeah, it's a beautiful song. It's, Beyond just that, I want to give credit to that. It's a beautiful oh, song. Oh, beautifully composed. Yeah. yeah. And he would always talk about that. I'm pretty sure he named my brother Tim after Tim, after that song. Yeah, that's cool. Um, but yeah, like that, that's what I think of. Like first, for example, when my father passed away, that was the first song, song I thought of. Of course. Yeah, that song. It's like, oh, he's not dead. <laughs> he, oh, he's dead? No, no. He's outside looking in. You know, yeah. it's kind of trippy. My, the one I think about my pops, and for people who don't know, we've, I've talked in past tense. He's in a home. He, he has Alzheimer's, doesn't recognize me. It's sad. He's healthy. He's safe. He's not healthy. He has fucking Alzheimer's. Well, he's you mean safe. safe. Yeah. He's safe, so it's good. But I talk in past tense because I don't get those moments with him. Mm-hmm. I don't talk. I'm not trying to make it sound like he's dead. He's not. I love him. I pray to him every day. I just want to give people a little understanding of that. But my dad's is into the mystic, which is also oddly spiritual with a name metaphor, right? Like into the mystic. Like that's how I view him going when he's losing his mind just into the fog and the water well in all fairness Rem, i'm glad you brought up van morrison because he epitome of just a wordsmith and a spiritual person yeah like he wrote so many great songs you know what song i think of when i think of his spirituality dweller on the threshold Dweller on the threshold it's a, it's a beautiful yeah it's the beautiful message and all it's that such a scary name though it sounds like a hp lovecraft well, story well yeah well yeah do you know what a dweller on the threshold is no. In spirituality, it could be in really bad. Just it, crossing over? Yes. It's yes. somebody who's ready to cross over. Like that we were just talking yep. about. Yeah. 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 By the way, anytime you can work in a saxophone solo on a song, I'm going to say it's an awesome They're song. all but dead, man. Yeah. I just had this discussion with someone recently. Where the fucking sexy sax solo? Yeah. Man? You know what else I think of when I think of that? Lost Complete, Boys. Completely off topic. Greasy <laughs> Naked Man. No, I was going to say an actual song. I was going to say Year of the Cat by Al Stewart. Okay. Yeah. I mean, do you want to talk about a song that's like, oh, he can't top this acoustic solo. Oh, he did with an electric solo. He can't top that. Here, saxophone. Yeah. Saxophone solo. Like all up in Slapping his balls on the chin of society. Yeah. But also, and keep in mind, you know, about anything we're talking about, about spirituality, you may not understand another aspect of religion, but feel free to educate yourself and inform mm-hmm. yourself. Because believe it or not, Bobby touched on it. They're all fucking little patches of the same blanket. They really are. Yep. You know? And on, honestly, I mean, if we have people who come on and they're very strong about their religion or their faith, that's fine too. Like, talk about that. So one of my <laughs> closest friends goes to church every Sunday. It makes get no it out. difference. Yeah. Get out. Get out your story. That's why I put Odyssey in the fucking name of the of the show. As every Everything's individual. Everything is like an individual adventure in Odyssey. So come on here and tell yours because you're not wrong. And then you know what? We can get someone else on here and they can tell theirs. We tell ours. And you know what it's about? It's about all of us connecting. It's that Coca-Cola commercial where everybody grabbed hands and they were like, we'd like to teach the world to sing in perfect harmony. Wow. I'm Wow. I should slap myself in the face. Well, I was about to make a Dawning of Aquarius <laughs> reference. <laughs> yeah, but I was like, I just sang a commercial jingle in talking about spirituality and that's kind of disgusting. Did you ever watch Mad Men? Because I'm pretty sure that was the last, what the last episode built up to, that commercial. Oh, Mad Men. no, I did not. You not know, enough to know that. Yeah. Yeah. I, I didn't watch Mad Men faithfully. And I didn't, I don't feel like it's, I feel it's good, but I don't feel like it's as great as other people say it is. But that last episode was, I mean, it was good. I watched that episode, but then when it got to the end and it was that Coca-Cola commercial, I'm like, 
So I watched it all for this. That was the point. Motherfuckers, you got me. I don't know. Is there anything else? That, anything else we oh, talked yeah. about? Oh, yeah. I mean, dude, it's spirituality and health. We could go on for fucking ages, but I think that we packaged it pretty well. Yeah. And, you know, we're all on this journey together and we're trying to figure it out. So just know you're yeah. not alone. And you know what? Like the great Bill Hicks said, it's only a ride. It really is. Just remember that. And this ride, this Zennial Odyssey ride has come to a conclusion today. So wish you all well. Take care. If you are of the faith and religious type devoutly, enjoy your time with Jesus. Give him a high five for me. Or Allah or God or whoever the fuck you fucks with because we yeah. respect it. Yeah, or Siddhartha or whoever. Or yo, all you weird witch bitches who pierce your nipples and maybe don't have a God, uh, get at me. <laughs> Take care, everybody. Odyssey podcast. Remy and Bobby Rocks discuss. Me and Bob both now we donate our plasma twice a week, and people don't understand. Like you have a second job with that. I'm not talking about the Red Cross, but when you donate at the Red Cross, you're doing it truly, genuinely, out of the kindness of your own heart. You're not getting compensated for it. At the place we're talking about, we get compensated. What's your experience been with, with the place? Like personally, how'd you find it? And um, you've gone to a couple different ones. Has there been a difference between them? In no particular order. CSL Plasma, Griffles, and Octafarm. Okay. Those are the big ones. Fall River is better. Let's be honest. Stereotypically, plasma donation centers get put in cities. Yeah. Lower socioeconomic income status areas. The ones I've seen at East Providence, though, I mean, they take the game. I have this weird thing about shitheads, but I knew I could in this situation. He had an energy that was, this guy definitely has a shotgun in his car. New episodes are released every Tuesday morning. Find the XOP on Apple Podcasts. Spotify, iHeartRadio, our Facebook page, or YouTube.